2: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 17th of November, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We got an amazing show for you today. We have Dwayne Brown talking to us about... Dwayne Brown from Unbounce talking to us about Unbounce, about conversion, about landing pages, uh, conversion optimization, and a whole bunch more. It's... uh, I think it's safe to say that we've mostly gotten over the shock of uh, last week, but last week's events are reverberating across the web. Um, I guess uh, the, the 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 biggest example is the sudden lashback at fake news websites. Uh, Dave, we saw we saw uh, uh, both Facebook and Google this week take action around face, fake news websites saying they're no longer able to participate in uh, their ad revenue programs. Um, do you think fake news really had a uh, major effect on the U.S. election?
3: Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think so. Um, and you know what, I'm going to go on both sides of that one, because I saw both sides sharing stuff on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatnot, um, where basically what I'm saying is there's people who are gullible on, on both sides of this one. So who had, had a bigger impact, I'm not sure. But either way, I am happy to see a cut in revenue to them. Um, and then for people in, in the audience, I mean, what, what we're referring to is, is sites that have virtually no credibility. Um, To be reporting, but present themselves as news sites or who are just so incredibly biased in in one direction or another that they can't be qualified as news either. um, Getting their revenue streams cut from both Facebook and uh, and the AdSense network. So um, I don't know. I think it was a great move. Uh, I was chatting about this with Mary yesterday, though, and she's like, yeah, isn't that nice? They did that after they'd amassed all their revenue from the <laughs>
2: election. <Indeed. laughs> you
3: know, wait wait till after and, and then launch it. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it was a good move. How about you? Uh,
2: I don't think it's going to go far enough. Um, there's always ways to monetize content and the sheer volume of clicks on some fake news stories uh, I think will make it worth continuing to publish fake news. There's two types of fake news I think that, that are worth pointing out. One is out-and-out satire. The Onion, as an example. I mean, that's not real news. That's fake news uh, passed off as real news, but it is so obviously false. The reader has to know it's satire. Then there is the skirting the edge of truth news. Uh, The stuff around, say, Hillary Clinton and the emails. The vast majority of that was completely fake news. Hillary being indicted tomorrow. You know, stuff like that. (laughs) Um, I do think the vast majority of that actually fell on the Republican side, not because Republicans are stupider than Democrats, but because Trump was infinitely more interesting than Hillary Clinton. So from a clickbait point of view, where are you going to waste <laughs> your time writing stuff? You're going to get more <laughs> clicks on Trump. Therefore, there'll be more fake news about issues that Trump supporters were interested in. Right. Not because they're stupid. I'm not saying that. I would never say that. But because, again, Trump was so much more interesting.
3: Um, I, I get what you're saying. He basically created his own clickbait, yeah. whereas, <laughs> whereas it needed to be created on the on the the Clinton side, simply because there wasn't actually that much clickbaitable about anything she was doing. She was talking about policy and, and moving forward from there and, and her opinion. Anyway. Who I mean, uh, cares about that, right? <laughs> so, uh,
2: these guys are now, these guys, uh, one you know, one of these guys was, what was he, like in Romania or something or uh, uh, Moldavia, like 30 different websites dedicated to uh, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys were making a good living. Um, I'm sure Facebook Made a pretty penny off of uh, off these sites it would be interesting to pair, to compare quarterly reports going forward uh, when Facebook has to do the reporting to you know check out their ad revenue see if there was a steep dump uh, drop in the coming quarter indeed um, oh hey listeners live listeners welcome we're live now we started yeah. show, uh, with technical difficulties but now apparently we're back we're being broadcast across the web. We're not officially on the air. We're on the wire, which is wonderful. Um, yeah. And you won't be on the wire, at least on the wire transfer, if uh, you do a fake news site because you got cut off. But we're going to move on to another story, something much more fun. Remember we were talking with... Uh, l- last week we had a great show. We had the uh, the crew from Mobile Moxie on. And yeah. uh, we were talking about Google's mobile first uh Indexing policy, yeah. Well, it turns out there's a small kink in this. Let's say you've made a a, a desktop version of a website, and you didn't want to uh, go to all the trouble of developing mobile pages, so you just skipped that step and made AMP pages instead, thinking that would be that would make up for having a mobile site, right? Okay. Google uh, Miley Oily uh, said a couple of weeks ago, confirmed by Gary Ease yesterday, that uh, if there's not an actual mobile site, but there's a desktop site and AMP pages, Google's actually going to be ranking content from the desktop site before the AMP pages <laughs> on, on for, mobile, for mobile search results.
3: Yeah, it, to me, this makes sense when when, when we think about it. Um Depending on the type of site that you have, right? I mean, we we when we think about what was the purpose of AMP, who was it meant to serve? If I had, say, my site, and the only two versions were our desktop site and AMP pages of our site, AMP isn't really going to do well. Um, as far as providing any kind of proper user experience, um, simply because of the type of content that it is, this is B2B search engine optimization services. We're talking like this is not, I just need to read an article, which is what AMP was built for, um, was more publishers. And in our blog, yeah, the AMP would serve well, but, um, not on our main pages. So I completely get why Google's making this call because I think in a lot of cases like that. The desktop pages are actually, as as bad as they're going to be on a mobile device, they're going to be better than an AMP page at actually at least providing the right information across. So it it makes sense to me and just reinforces, AMP is not a replacement. (laughs) AMP is is an add-on that serves a specific purpose. Absolutely.
2: And from, from a crawl perspective, AMP um, pages are radically stripped down. All the Java and the CSS is removed from them. So a lot of navigation options that can be built into a desktop site simply won't be present on the AMP page. So from Google's point of view, why the heck should they bother crawling this stuff when it's not going to give them entrance to the, the, the full content on the website? Indeed. Um, now, that doesn't mean that in the future, they won't honor AMP pages ahead of desktop pages in the mobile environment. I mean, not right now, they don't. Right. No, I, th- I, think, I think they'll change that, but, but today, um, that's, that's the news that's out there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. Um, and I think, you know, as, I mean, then Google's great at this, and, you know, I, I'm sure they've got some systems in place to go, what type of content is this? Right? Like, if they were looking at our site, is this a blog post? All right, AMP's fine. <laughs> like that's you know go for it um and then serve up the amp page whereas if you were looking at you know a service page that does i mean it they'll know this has you know jquery running and you know there's all sorts of stuff necessary to make that page function so yeah if there are only versions where desktop or amp they're gonna know that amp just isn't gonna cut it on that page it's, it's gonna be a disaster so i think it makes sense and as they get smarter they'll probably be able to show and you know Present the most the most appropriate of the three versions, and who knows how many more versions there'll be. Out. Indeed,
2: okay, we uh, we're going to be getting to Dwayne Brown pretty quickly. We got time for, to do one more. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend this weekend, isn't
3: it? Uh, I think that's next weekend. And
2: next weekend, okay, well, yeah. you know, next weekend, families across America are going to have to you know sit down across the table from each other and talk about things that you know really <laughs> matter to Americans, such as. Last-minute things they have to do to their websites to get more sales over Christmas—important <laughs> stuff.
3: And your and family doesn't talk about that when they sit down for dinner.
2: The family that does e together stays together. That's what I've heard, or, or at least sells together. Um, and Dave, you know, you happen to come to their rescue at this at this type of. Uh, of appreciation for the plenty we have in our lives. And you, you published an article in uh, Search Engine Land. It was published yesterday. Um, Last-minute SEO for the holidays. Um, are we getting a bit late for this?
3: Yeah, and the piece actually basically starts out starts out and ends with that. Like, basically a minor but friendly chastising of really... You know, you shouldn't have procrastinated this long and then closes out with, all right, and now let's get started on your 2017 holiday ambitions, right? Because that's really what we <laughs> need to be doing. Um, but for people, I, you know, if you were at, and you know this, I mean, I'm saying this more for our listeners, is if you were at the bottom, if you, if you have done nothing regarding SEO, yeah, in a lot of cases, it's probably too late. Right. I mean, only one of these strategies is actually going to help you out at all. And that's my hijacking note. Um, But uh, if we're looking at people who are at that midpoint, right, like you're ranking it, you know, high on the second page or, you know, low on the first and, um, you know, or even okay for some positions. Those are the people that the article is more geared towards. How do you make the most out of what you've got if you really don't quite have enough right now? Um, so chatting about things like optimizing your titles for click through rates, taking, you know, relooking at your content and going, you know, OK, it's the holidays and I'm not going to rank for that term I want. So let's look at some long tail terms that maybe I can get reoptimized for those just through the holidays and then move on, you know, switch everything back after. But just try and grab as much as you can over the next, you know, five weeks, um, so you know, and then move back to it.
2: There was a point in this article that you made that I thought was was exceptionally smart and something that I think a lot of marketers don't think of often enough. Okay, yeah, Google's the main show. Like the vast majority <laughs> of web traffic, when they're looking for something is going through Google. But they might you might, as you just said, Dave, aim for some long tail scores. You might just be getting like more volume on long tail than, on uh, on the instant I'm looking for this now search. But another thing you mentioned is other venues. Yelp was your example. If you, you know, want to do paid advertising, it's much cheaper on Yelp than it is on Google, especially this time of year, and you're going to get X number of users, right?
3: Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to cover that, and then, you know, I was doing some searches around Portland Shoe. I mean, I don't even know how I picked that phrase, by the way. <laughs> I just it a couple times in the article, it was just... One of the things that popped into my head, um, I looked at that and lo and behold, one of the top ranking sites was Yelp. And I'm like, well, right. If you can't rank for Portland shoes because you, you know, haven't done it in time. Well, the number one ranking site is Yelp. So if you can get in there, optimize faster for that, or do a bit of cheap paid advertising in Yelp because it's cheaper than on AdWords. Okay. You effectively, you can manage to actually be part of the number one ranking spot, at the last minute. I mean, that's that's pretty powerful stuff. And I mean, Yelp advertising, I mean, they got ads all over the place for 300 bucks and free, like, they're showing up on Facebook all the time right now. So, you know, get in there, get it done. Um, you know, if that works in your in your industry and, and if it works for your queries or sites like that, right? I mean, they, you know, might not be Yelp, but something like that. Well, you, you,
2: you're on with that. I, I have a small fashion retailer, one of my clients, and uh, she's got two locations in, in the Toronto area. And she's doing great local search, like she's she's scoring beautifully for local search. She's even doing well in her niche, um, you know, in, in, in North America and in the UK, so in the United States and in the UK as well as Canada. And we're getting her good traffic, but the bulk of her sales is actually coming from Facebook. You know, <laughs> so if you, don't, if you don't think about that environment, those, those other great
4: traffic
3: okay I'm just got a note from the studio and I, I want to comment on that but it's throttling a little bit you're getting a bit choppy so we're going to go out to a quick break um, and then we'll come back and we can sort of finish up that thought so while we get these technical issues worked out this is Dave Davies from Beanstuck SEO uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media here on Webcology we'll be back in just a minute
1: Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us the and we'll get you set up your very own radio show. We produce... Edit and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying
3: error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit Fjorgedigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's fjorge digital.
1: Ecology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Ecology here on
4: cranberry.fm. It is the 17th of November, 2016. Beware the eyes of November, they say. <laughs> uh, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media on telephone now. Dave Davies from News Talk Internet Marketing. Still using Skype, I believe. Yep. And we are trying to get Green Brown uh, into the show, having technical difficulties on the way. Um, okay, Dave, we were talk- I understand that I was really choppy in the last segment. Um, I think the internet needs to take its steroids this morning. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was just reiterating uh, your point on using alternative um, marketing venues, getting this close to Christmas. Google's the main show. Right? That's where yeah. the
3: vast majority of your web traffic is coming from.
4: But I got a uh, a fashion client. Did you hear, did you hear this part, or am I am I being redundant?
3: Uh, no, that's right, and it, it was starting to get choppy at that point. Um, okay. So, but I think we're we're ready, from what I gather. Are we Sorry, I'm, okay? I'm, 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 no, I'm going from the studio. I think Dwayne is Dwayne. Are you with us right now,
4: Dwayne? If you're here, wave your hand. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay, Dwayne Brown is not with us
4: yet. We are struggling to get Dwayne onto the air from Unbound. He's got a lot to talk about, and uh, he's putting in a huge effort to get into the show. Um, Okay, what else do we have happening in the search world? Did you see the post that Barry put up at Search Engine Roundtable today?
3: Which one is that?
4: The confirmation. (laughs) Nothing happened this week. You guys know that. Uh, Just confirm. Nothing happened.
3: Oh, are you referring to the uh, November 10th notification?
4: Um, Some November
3: 10th? Oh, no, no, no. It it was posted today. It was about an update that was rumored um, to have happened on November 10th. Um, I'm going to call a... They're saying they have nothing to announce. They cannot possibly be saying that nothing happened. (laughs) Because I, I just saw too much of this. Um, so, yeah, we've got, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I saw a bunch of stuff happening um, and, and ebbing and flowing. It appears to still be happening. I saw some changes that happened over the last 24 hours. So um, something's definitely going well,
4: on it's over it's at Google. It's very possible that there was just a seriously traumatized Google employee going crazy on his or her keyboard at that time, right? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I mean, everything that happens from, I'd say, November 8th to November 15th or so,
3: give it a pass, friends. <laughs> you know, give it a pass. Um, all right. Now Now I am pretty sure I am right this time. Dwayne, are you with us? I am. I am here. Fantastic. Well, listeners, thank you for your patience. Um, we have Dwayne Brown here from Unbounced. Dwayne, I've been anxious to get you on. <laughs> um, and and i ask, just ask you some questions. Um, and this is since um, you know what I mean. I, I was excited to chat with you like a year and a half ago. We 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 dragged you on the show, um, and that was after hearing your uh, your speak. And I'm pretty sure it was at MozCon. Um, and there you were chatting about burn pixels, and that got me all excited. But now we're here at at the the, the sort of 23rd hour of anybody who has anything. To, uh, to do with e-commerce, anything to do with the holidays and, and prepping for it, you are the, the logical, hey, we need somebody here to chat. What do you do on landing pages? What do you do on conversions? And so let's just start there. Here you are, you're like one week before Black Friday. What do you do, Dwayne? What, what should be one of the things that you do to make the most of this season uh, and, and to get your stuff together over the next week to, to take advantage of Black Friday?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you need to figure out, you know, what you're going to sell that is going to be most profitable for your business. And then also look at things like when can you ship a product, i.e., you know, if it's going to take a few days, let the customer know it's going to take a few days. Make sure you've got great like product images, just because as we move into, you know, this weekend and the holidays in general, people want to be able to buy a product and people are very visual these days when you do a search on Google. And even a search on Bing, really, a lot more visual images come up, so making sure you have great like product images, great description, and just making sure you've got all your ducks in order so that you can sell as many products as you can between now and Black Friday. And then make sure you just have as much product as you can for the holidays in general, because I feel like every year, Black Friday and Christmas just gets a little bit
3: earlier in terms of what people sell and what people are going to sell. Yeah, what, what do you think is going on with that? Because I'm noticing it, too. And now, I mean, I've I've been inundated with, with pre-Black Fridays. Um, like, are, are we now dragging out uh, this season just just more and more? And is that actually good for e-tailers who now just have discounts over a larger period of time um, as opposed to, you know, when it was all fixated around one point? Is this good for consumers? Is this good for for retailers? And if you are an online store, how do you deal with the fact that, you know now you're expected sort of to do this pre-sale and then the big sale and then a bunch of like christmas sales and then you know what what do you do it's
0: definitely great for consumers i mean we all love to get a deal we all love to sell uh see a sale and buy the product so it's definitely good for us it's definitely not good for retailers in the sense if you always have your item on sale or it's always discounted people are just going to wait till you have a sale they're never going to buy it in the summer or during regular season so it's definitely not great for retailers i used to do a lot of e-commerce when i lived in london england and just the sales that some competitors would have and clients would freak out and i'm like you are not a discounter you are not let's say walmart who always wants to have the cheapest price or amazon who's always looking to like sell you an extra dozen things you need to like stick to your strategy of selling it at a regular price you know eight nine 12 months of the year and that one or two weeks where you have a sale, you have that sale and you make it productive. So it's definitely not good for retailers because then it cheapens your brand. You know, a good example, I think in North America is Banana Republic. They always have a sale. Like there's always a sale and I have friends who are like, I just wait till, you know, the new quarter starts and I'll just buy Banana Republic on sale because they'll have 30, 40, 50% off. Um, So it's definitely not good for retailers. And I think when you look at like REI and they plan planning for like, Black Friday last year and the idea that they're not going to open and they want their customers and they want their employees to go outside and enjoy the weather, I think brands need to understand that if you don't want to compete in that space, that's fine. You don't have to. You've got to be able to stick to your strategy, whatever it is, and not just feel you have to compete because everyone else has a sale. Because you don't know if your competitors are selling their product and making a profit, right? Yes, they have a sale, but are they making any money? And if you're not making any money, what's the point of having the sale to begin with? So I think if you're going to have a sale, make sure you can make money off of it. Make sure you sell things that make sense for your business versus just having a sale because your competitor put the hard drive on sale or the jumper or the T-shirt or the jeans. Like if you're not going to be able to make money by putting that item on sale, you shouldn't put it on sale as well.
3: Well, and you bring up a point. I think something that that listeners and and people pondering trying to sort of price match or whatnot need to consider um, is, you know, you know all the companies. Heck, you got NCIX, one of my favorite companies, right? right in your own your own city um and you know when 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 they're selling you know they'll have these sale items and they're loss leaders we all know that they're to get you in the door and then you buy other things but yeah if you're an e-tailer and you're trying to compete on every hard drive every video card for the cheapest price there's no way you'll you'll be bankrupt before you see the 2017 holiday season um so to, to get to things that we may want to be doing okay so let's let's imagine and i'm i'm a last minute you know sort of shopper often but let's imagine that you're a last minute you know caring about your website type person i i I know from the burn pics and i know i keep returning to that because that was one of my favorite pieces of information from that entire conference (laughs) um, you know so so i know that you're going to be you know we're caring about analytics here and we're caring about how to how to sort of remarket and these sorts of things Let's say you're you're an e-tailer and you're looking at your landing pages or, or whatnot. I mean, they may just be your store pages, but your point where your entry traffic is coming in for long tail phrases or whatnot or, or just part of your path. What do you look at? If, if we're looking at, at a scenario where we really have a, a very limited period of time, so we need to make fast decisions and we may not have a ton of data. What would you say we should be looking at to decide quickly? Whether, whether adjustments or, or whether pages need to be looked at and whether those changes um, are playing out. I mean, I know at Unbounce you're playing around a lot with, with different landing pages. What do we do to try and figure out quickly which one the winner is if we're trying to do some A-B testing or just test a, a new variant?
0: I mean, if you don't have tons of traffic, sometimes you've got to make a bit of a, a gut decision. You know, when we don't have tons of traffic, sometimes we'll look at, you know, how many conversions we had on the site, look at how long someone spent on the site as well, and then just make a gut reaction and hope that's the right reaction. I mean, at this point, if you've got a page that's converting at, let's say, 2%, and you've made a new variant or a new option, and it converts at, you know, 2.5 or 3%, which isn't that much of a difference, but if you think that 1% is going to hold out for the next week and a half, go with that 3% page. And then worry about what changes you might want to make after that. Because let's be honest, you only have a week here. There's not a lot of time to dither around and save and wait for more data. So I would say if you've got a page that converts a little bit better, run it for the week. Because even if it converted a little bit worse than that 3%, it's probably still better than that other page that was only converting at 2%. Uh, and then you've got about you know, six-ish weeks after that so, till it's Christmas. So at that point, you can try and direct more traffic to the page and see if that page just continues to hold at that 3% rate.
3: Oh, I mean that's that's obviously a, a good point. Um, now, something that you know, and and you do I often have to to sort of go with that. my gut instinct says this, so I'm just going to go with that, and you know, maybe hopefully have a couple people you can trust to to proof these things. You know, maybe tell you if your baby's ugly or not. What I mean, we were talking before we before you'd come on, um, Jim and I were chatting about um, you know the the use of other you know, be it Yelp or Facebook or, or whatnot. So now I'm going to go back to this sort of burn pixel remarketing sort of side of things, which works in, in a lot of, you know, areas. What else can we be doing, in, in your opinion? If we're looking at, okay, so we've, we've got our landing pages and, you know, hey, we're, we're either running the test or, yeah, we got it from 2 to 2.5%, and we're just going to hold there because, you know, that's better than the two we were at. Now we need traffic to it. So, you know, let's say you've, you've done all you can to get your organic up. What's what's left? And I mean, obviously, there's AdWords or, or just, the, you know, being paid search. But what are, what are some strategies? What are some things that you think people are missing in their traffic acquisition? There are just these golden gems that they could maybe take advantage of, um, you know, as as we're starting to head into this season.
0: Yeah, you definitely have your organic and obviously you've got your email lists of people ideally you've been collecting over the last year since the last Black Friday. Um, and yeah, you could definitely do AdWords. A lot of people I find ignore Bing. You know, Bing usually isn't as expensive; It's usually a little bit cheaper, especially if predominantly your customers are in the United States or in the UK. Bing is always a great option. You know, We definitely spend maybe not a large amount of money on Bing every month at bounce but we definitely spend enough that it's worth acquiring the customers we get because generally the people who use Bing... Uh, whether it be because they're in a corporate environment or they're a slightly older demographic, like let's say their late 30s into their 40s and 50s. Uh, these are people who have money and can make hiring decisions as well. So if you want somebody who can like decide they're gonna buy your product for themselves or buy their product for like the company they work for, I definitely will get bing. And then also we'll get things like Facebook. Like Facebook is a great channel if you know you want to go and target a certain kind of person in the States or a certain kind of person um who buys a certain product or Listens to a certain set of music, like Facebook is a really great option as long as you kind of understand the type of person that you want to go after. So we do a lot of targeting around people who are interested in a certain product or certain service because we know if they want to use, let's say, Mail or they want to use HubSpot, we know they're to a certain degree technically savvy and they can also use our platform to build landing pages.
4: Uh, Dwayne, uh, one thing that retailers have to deal with this here that I don't think was as much a problem in previous years is the rise of the mega shops like Amazon uh, to get attention in, in search results you have to you know pull out a couple extra stops. Can, can you make any suggestions how to make a, a search result stand out more than the uh, than the next guys?
0: Yeah and I don't think that actually just applies to Amazon. I think it, it applies to any business or any industry anyone competes for that's listening I mean a good example, Let's say you sold hard drives. Like, I need to buy a new hard drive for my Mac, actually, so I'm looking for that for this Black Friday. That's my big buy. I would go and do a search on, let's say, hard drives for Mac or cheap hard drives for Mac, and I would see what ads your competitors have and what they say because I find a lot of ads, someone will go and just copy what their competitors do and all the ads kind of look alike. So let's say one of the ads didn't have pricing, right? I'd want to go and put pricing in my ads so my ad stands out and talk about things that kind of matter, whether it's like... Faster transfer time between my Mac and my computer or you know, redundant backups, backups so you don't ever lose your photos or things that are really important to you. And find out why people buy your product and then put that information in the ad. Because people generally buy something to achieve a job or get something done or save themselves time. So we try to make sure your ad stands out for competitors, isn't just a generic ad and answers the why someone's gonna buy this product and Hopefully that'll help you stand out enough. That's generally what we do at inbounds. We try to talk about ads that either save people time or get them more leads or make them more money, and those are kind of the reasons people use our service. And if I was going to buy, as I, my example was, buy a hard drive, I'd probably want to do it to like have faster transfer times between my Mac and my computer, or I'd want to save all my travel photos because I've been to about 39 different countries right now, and if like my computer died tomorrow, I'd be a little bit a little bit heartbroken that I lost um, that I lost all my photos. So if someone had an ad about like. Faster transfer time transfer times between my Mac and my uh, hard drive, I would probably click on that ad because it's kind of like
4: speaks to me what I want to do. Okay, so so really what you're saying is get to know your customer and speak to them. Speak to them. Yeah. What are that's, some of the ways exactly. that, Well, what are some of the ways that smaller retailers, um, I'm, I'm thinking of like Lamar and Pa, who doesn't don't really have a great deal of analytic power. What are some of the ways, the easier ways they can get to know their customers?
0: You know, I don't think it's, it's a question sort of, of money or analytics. I and mean, the easiest way, and I was doing this this past week when I was in Dallas for a conference, is just constantly talk to your customers, right? If you're a small retailer and you have, like, a, a retail outlet, you know, customers come in and try to just chat them up and find out, like, why they chose your store, why do they come in. If you've got like, an email list, you can email out a survey, even if it's only like one or two questions of maybe why they're buying a certain product or why they bought a certain product last year, You know, even if only 1% of those people get back to you or a dozen people get back to you if you have 50 people on the list, that's more information than you had before you sent that email or started talking to someone. So even if you don't have tons of analytics or tons of time, just talk to your customers because if you know why they bought from you, you can help use that information to get more people to buy from you and that's always good for business
3: yeah okay that's now sorry i just got to notice we're going to and speaking of you know needing to make a, a bit of money during the holidays uh the station needs to make a bit of money uh for their <laughs> holidays
1: <laughs> so we're
3: going to take a brief commercial break here and we're going to be back in uh, just a couple minutes with drain brown from unbounce this is dave davies from beanstalk internet marketing jim hedger from digital always media we'll be back on cranberry.fm after these messages
1: sit tight and don't move webcology
2: we'll be back after this short break
4: cranberry radio is your new destination for education entertainment and engagement get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers and engage with us anytime by following us on twitter facebook google plus and linkedin so you can reach us before and after every program located on our new social shareable live streaming player access the new cranberry radio live stream player at our website cranberry.fm
1: are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money studies show that companies waste 25 percent of their ppc spend on average The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your
3: site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
1: Where affiliate marketing gets its buzz and mobile has its presence. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
4: Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and we're joined by, D- by Dwayne Brown from Unbounce. It's the 17th of November, 2016, and uh, Dwayne, we were talking about uh, how... Smaller retailers, e-commerce players, um, can get themselves noticed for the holiday. Um, We were talking about stuff they could do. Why Why don't we change tracks in the last bit of the show and talk about stuff they shouldn't be doing? What's the biggest mistake you see people making around this time of the year?
0: I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. They just try to copy what the competitors are doing, which is the worst mistake. I'll give a perfect example. When I was in university many, many years ago... Uh, We had this simulation game where you could like sell cameras and every week my team would be like, we'll just copy what the competitors did last week, this week. And I'm like, that's not the greatest strategy because you're always playing catch up. So I think you need to figure out, you know, what makes you unique and not just play catch up with the competitors. Uh, And then I guess the other big thing people don't do is they don't look at like mobile traffic enough. So they don't have like a mobile page or they don't think about mobile traffic. So not having a website that's mobile ready is really bad or not having a website that is like easy to navigate and visually pleasing is really bad. Um, So those are kind of the things I see a lot of retailers like not do and which is not the greatest thing in the world because most people, I think this holiday season are going to be on like a tablet if they're at home. They might be on a, a mobile device. So like, you not having a mobile website in 2016 and as we head into 2017 is, is a bad decision on just any retailer's part. Because for a lot of websites, if you use WordPress as your content management system, you can easily get a plug-in to make a mobile-ready website. And being mobile-ready, I think, for 2017 is a huge thing because Google keeps on saying, we're going to index mobile websites. We're going we're gonna to give them more prominence. You know, There's also like accelerated mobile pages. So generally, just thinking about mobile and making sure that you know, the website that's mobile ready is more important this holiday season than it ever has been in the past.
3: Now, I mean, you bring up 2017, so so let's talk a little bit about 2017 here. Um, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about mobile, and heck, last week we had on—I know you know her, Cindy Crumb. Heck, I think she was at the same conference speaking that uh, that I saw you at. Um, so so let's let's set mobile as as an aside because we know that's going to be huge. What are users? What are consumers going to be looking for as we head into 2017? Not just the holidays, but you know, heading heading through it. Are we becoming more sophisticated, or are we becoming simpler? Do are we willing to do more research, or do we want our 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 information just basically presented to us as quickly as possible? Um, what 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 are we looking at right now, or or at least in your opinion?
0: I think it's actually a little bit of both. I think we're more sophisticated in that we know what we want, and we do want information presented. But if we don't like what the information says, we'll go hunt and find out more. You know, so if you are on Amazon and you're reading a book review and you maybe we're going to buy this book and then you read the reviews and the reviews aren't great. And now you're like, mm, should I buy this book? Should I not buy this book? You might go and check out the retailer's website or the publisher's website and see what reviews say there. So I think people are more sophisticated and they're willing to hunt out and find more information. And I think, you know, obviously mobile side, I think the other big thing next year is just more visual content and having better not only better pictures, but also video. Video is becoming a bigger thing. Uh, I said this at the conference this week. Video is a bigger thing, not only down in the States for you guys, but also in like places like Southeast Asia, most of Europe, most of Africa. So regardless of where you are in the world, video is becoming a bigger part of the marketing mix in general. And even though video doesn't necessarily directly lead to someone buying something right now, it makes them aware of you as an option. And I kind of feel lots of times in marketing, companies don't survive it's because no one knows they exist. You could build the greatest product in the world. You could sell the greatest product in the world. But if nobody knows you exist as a business, they can't buy from you. So I think retailers looking at, is there an option with the video that I can do in 2017? Because I know lots of people consume video, lots of people on mobile devices, lots of people are on YouTube, Facebook, even Twitter still active in terms of video. I would tell them, look at video for next year as an option. It doesn't have to be an expensive video. It doesn't have to be a five minute video. It could be like 60 seconds. But if it conveys what you do or what you sell, that's a good thing.
3: No, I mean you brought up Amazon and, and video is great competitive sort of advantage, right? Like something that you can do and you can do it uniquely that say a company like Amazon can't do en masse. They can do videos, but not you can do it for every one of your products, right? If you're if you're limited and offering the, the niche. Thing that you're, you're talking about, but I know what, uh, like, I mean, you guys deal with a lot of companies, I'm certain, and I'm not going to ask you to name names cause I'm sure you can't, but <laughs> you're, 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 probably dealing with people who are up against Amazon and probably can't compete with them on it. I mean, I only say that cause all of us are working for people who are up against <laughs> Amazon, uh, you know, <laughs> in some way or another. So now you're, you're not going to be able to compete. So let's say you're that, that retailer and you're making that great video for your product. Now, now you need that person to not go to Amazon to make that purchase and Amazon may be cheaper because they're already an Amazon Prime member or whatnot, right? Like uh, you now need to compete on that on that front. You guys do a lot of landing page testing and tuning. Heck, you've got an entire platform built on it. So, what do you do? What can be that retailer's advantage in messaging to stop, uh, you know, one of their visitors from finding the perfect product, watching those awesome videos, and then bouncing over to Amazon to convert?
0: Yeah, that's a hard question to answer because people, even though the recession was many years ago, people are still very cost conscious in a lot of ways. And I think it's trying to figure out, okay, you can't compete on necessarily price because Amazon will just always be cheaper, but can you offer better shipping, better shipping options? Is your location closer to them that, yeah, you can ship it faster to them. Is there some sort of other value you can offer? I.e. like some sort of, maybe not a membership, but maybe some sort of like monthly club or something they can join that they can't get from Amazon. Cause it's hard. It is really hard to compete with Amazon if you're any retailer of any size these days, even if you're Walmart I think it's hard to compete with Amazon because Amazon's getting into like the grocery business now as well, especially in like I think the West Coast and in the UK. So even if you're Walmart, I think you're kind of afraid of where Amazon's going because they've always been able to figure out why people buy, then give people what they want. So I think if I was a retailer, i look at what can I offer my customers that Amazon can't, or can I compete in some way and offer better shipping options, better shipping terms, even a bit of cheaper shipping, uh, and then just keep on talking about that until I figure out why. Or what's going to make people buy from me versus going to Amazon? I like, will often buy from a small retailer because maybe uh, they're Canadian, so I want to support like Canadian brands. So if like, you're an American retailer, maybe you want to talk about how your product is made in America, or you're based in America, and this money is not going to like go overseas to some like Irish headquarters for Amazon, where the revenue won't be like brought inside to the U.S. So kind of find out what makes people want to buy from you, and I often will buy from someone because they're Canadian or the local or I want to support like a small farmer. Um, I think those are great advantages you can be with Amazon because Amazon's just a huge, you know, outside of Jeff Bezos, it's mostly a faceless organization.
4: Hey, I'm going to throw a, a serious curveball question at you. Uh, we've been talking, you, know, you were talking about Amazon and Amazon, knowing their knowing the customer better than Walmart and that's all big data. I mean, Amazon has, has that uh, serious advantage over all of the competitors. In 2017, we know that we're moving into an era in search where Google is combining big data with its artificial intelligence. Um, I'm not going to say rank brain necessarily, because we, we, you know, we, we know that rank brain is there for, for a different purpose. But Google's using AI and all of our behaviors to determine how sites should be ranking. And I was reading an article where, where, My, where Miley Oiley was suggesting that. Um, artificial intelligence may actually be more important than mobile in 2017. How do you think um, webmasters and retailers should deal with, with, with the rise of artificial intelligence? Is there content changes we should be making? Um, should we restructure our sites differently? What's your suggestion? The honest answer is
0: I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, we talk about... AI, and we talk about voice search, when we talk about visual, I mean, voice search is a little bit, a little bit easier because voice search is people are asking like more, uh, in, in, I can't say the word right now, but basically they're asking like more specific questions when it comes to voice search, they're longer questions, they're, you know, seven to 13 words in that question versus when someone types something, it's very short at one to, you know, four or five words, but I don't think anyone really knows where AI is going to go and what it's going to do for search next year, other than the fact that machines can only predict what happened in the past. They can't really predict what we as humans are going to do in the future. And so for basing our AI data off what we did last year, or the year before, and let's say there's a big change that comes down the pipe in 2017, the AI is not going to know what to do. So it's like AI is a great thing to talk about, but I don't really think we have a great handle on like what it actually means for search as a whole. It's all very theoretical in some ways.
4: Does your gut tell you that there might be a shift coming or a change coming? I don't want to hold you to, to um, <laughs> an answer in the long run, but what does your gut tell you? I mean, the answer to that is yes, right? There's always a change
0: going to happen, whether it's next year or in 2018, no one knows. I mean, you look at like Uber and Google and they're all trying to get like self-driving cars as a reality, and that's sort of already happening this year. So, yeah, changes will happen next year. What they are, I don't know. You know, When I look at the last 10 years of my career, I look at Google, and they made some bets, and they haven't worked out. They made lots of bets, and they have worked out. And so this AI thing, mm-hmm. maybe it will work out, but maybe it won't work out to the scale they think. You know, people used to think that QR codes were going to be the next hot thing,
1: <laughs> and those never took <laughs> off.
0: So it's like for anyone to predict that AI is going to be really hot it's going to be around in three years is a little bit – Self-serving because they can't actually predict the future of that. The only thing I think we can agree on is voice search I think will pick up and more people will get used to that as an action. And I think visual content will pick up because people are, are a lot more visual. The whether AI becomes like the iRobot movie with Will Smith and takes over and we have robots that can like think and speak human and predict the future and all that stuff. I think it's anyone's game to win that. And anyone can win that, including some small startup that no one knows about that comes out next year with a great product that's just better than Google and way, shape and form.
3: All right, we're we're going a bit of a different direction than you know I, I thought at the beginning of the show we'd be going, but hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow this, right? Like we're going into it into a variety of different subjects. So while we're while we're talking about sort of obscure um, technologies in the future and 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 death of some. Augmented reality, I mean, we, we saw Pokemon, first really, really successful augmented reality game. Um, wh- what do you think? Are we going to see a lot more of those coming in the in the next um, you know year or two? I, know I don't know if think I that. would
0: say Pokemon was successful though. I mean, it was successful for like, a shot in the pan, a rocket taken off in the summer, but when you look at numbers right now, like, lots of less people play it, so it's not successful over the long term. We'll definitely see more people bring out sort of augmented reality type products, but I don't think we have seen any that's taken off and sustained people's interest for the long term because I, except for a couple of people, I don't know anyone who still talks about Pokemon and we're only, only, what, five months after it launched, six months after it launched? So I don't know if I'd call Pokemon successful because, like, if you launched this as a product, your company would basically be bankrupt right now, more or less, because, like, you shot up really fast, you sold lots of stuff, you've got money, but now you've got no one really using your product, which is kind of... Defeats the purpose of a video game, especially as a gamer myself. Um, so I think we'll see more augmented reality, like Google's got their AI uh, headset glasses thing that they're trying to make cheaper for people, and lots of other companies. It's just a question of what's the application that people want and people can like integrate into their daily lives and build a habit around. Kind of like people build a habit around of ordering an Uber or a Lyft on their phone, and does that habit sustain over the long term?
4: Well, Dwayne, we have to leave it at there, I'm afraid. Uh, we are out of time here this week on Webcology. Thank you so much for spending time with us. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate um, it. Friends, that was Dwayne Brown, Performance Director at Unbounce, uh, speaking to us from sunny Vancouver, British Columbia, hopefully sunny BC, uh, Vancouver, BC. Uh, we're out of time here on Webcology. So on behalf of Dave Davies from InSoc Internet Marketing, Jim Hedrick from Digital Always Media, Next week, we got David Satella coming to talk about the Unged conference that happened in uh, Vegas uh, earlier this week. But until then, stay safe, be well, keep listening to Cranberry.fm, because we've got some great content coming up back from the news, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News uh, Market and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.